everybody, Refuge members, guests tuning in, and really people from all around the world. We've been so excited to see some of your comments and, and just sharing thoughts and inbox messages. And so we're grateful. We're grateful whether you consider this your home church or not. We are so thankful that you make it a point to tune in on a regular basis, and we pray that you're blessed for being here. Uh, if you would like to contribute to this ministry, uh, there are various ways to do that. You can see that on your screen right now, because we, even though that people are not gathering in person, we are still uh, getting better, even in our live stream, making investments financially to continue to bring you the Word of God to the best of our ability. So thank you so much for tuning in. Praise God. Well, I want to speak tonight for just a little bit uh, for our Principles for Life service. Uh, the word safe. What do you think about the word safe? I know safety's on your screen. Same concept, safe, safety. What do you, what do you think about that word? Just the sound of the word is usually music to our ears. We all long to, to, to hear that when experts, for that day when experts say, it's safe. It's safe to return to in-person gatherings. I can't wait until I get to speak to a room full of people again instead of pews. And even though I love my technological team and they do a phenomenal job, you know, they're getting sick of just listening to me. And, 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 and I know that. And I, and, I, and I don't really know that. I'm hoping that, that, that I'm hoping that's not the case. But I want to see a room full of people where I get to walk up and shake hands and say, good to see you. And I'm looking forward to when experts come out and say, everything's back to normal, whatever the new normal will be. Where we can return to restaurants, return to school. And the parents right now are typing amen as fast as they can. I know. Get the kids back in school. Return to work. Some people are longing to return to work. And others of you, I'm sure, are going, this is pretty nice. Return to normal. We love the feeling of comfort and security that comes with the concept of being safe. All of us want our homes to be safe, and we want, we want to feel like our loved ones are protected and safe. We place locks on our doors and lights on our porch, and there are so many different things that you can do in your home right now to, to ensure safety. We love feeling safe. We want to go to bed knowing, hey, our, my kids are safe. My, my spouse is safe. I'm safe. And so uh, just another reason why we're, we're so uneasy with times like this right here, because it's a terrible feeling to go out and shop or get gas, run through Walmart, and, and you feel unsafe. It's, 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 a, it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling to run into people from your church and and see them at Walmart, hey, how's it going? And then remember that you got to keep social distance and you can't walk up and give them a big hug and say, I ain't seen you in four weeks. This is horrible. And you just kind of have to stay back. That's, that's not what I want. And so tonight, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on this title, Making Home a Safe Place. Making home a safe place. Would you pray with me and for yourself to receive this, for me to deliver what God's laid on my heart? Jesus, we love you. You are so awesome, so incredible, and so worthy. And so, God, I just pray that you would help us tonight, that your word would go forth and, and it would be anointed through me. Because your word, it doesn't need help, but I do. And so, Lord Jesus, I just pray 
that every heart and mind would be receptive to what it is that you're trying to speak in this place. And through this place, through these devices, Lord, wherever people are, in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, you know, I'm not here to talk about safety as it pertains to the virus. You know, if, I, if some our title slide, Making Home a Safe Place, I know that maybe some people are like, well, what does that pastor have to do during this coronavirus pandemic to tell me how to approach things safely? Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to talk about a virus. I'm not here to talk about cleaning or bleach or touching or, or shaking hands or any of that. I'm not, I'm not here to talk about that. Tonight, I want to talk specifically, really, hopefully everyone will, will receive something out of this, but at Refuge Church, we believe that strong churches are built on strong families. If the family unit is not strong, the church is not strong. So we invest a ton in our children and in our parents, and, and so I want to talk really for a little bit tonight specifically to parents and guardians. I hope if you're not a parent and guardian that you won't just tune out, because I know you're going to get something from this too, but I really want to speak to parents, guardians, and even extended family who have an opportunity to have an impact in grandchildren, nieces, nephews, cousins, whoever it might be. And so if we value safety as much as we do, we don't, we don't just leave our, our, our children with anybody. You know, you're not going to run to a store and say, oh, that's a nice looking uh, family. Hey, would you guys just mind watching my kids? Because I'm going to go shopping and you guys seem like nice people. Like, who's going to do that? No, people don't do that. So if we don't just leave our kids with anyone, then we must be intentional about what we are investing in our children. You know, I read an article from the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine that said this, children are already learning at birth. They develop and learn at a rapid pace in their early years. This, this provides a critical foundation for lifelong progress. The adults who provide for the care and education of children from birth through the age of eight bear a great responsibility for their health, development, and learning. If this is groundbreaking research, then I need to be a researcher. I mean, like that to me, that seems common sense. Hey, if you have a kid, they learn early, and through age to, a zero to eight, you're going to have a huge influence in their life. Now, that's not saying that all children over the age of eight, we can just stop parenting because they got it, and they're just going to coast the rest of the way. Oh, Lord, help us all. That's not going to happen. I have two that are eight and over, and I know I'm still investing daily. And that's that. So it's, it's just pointing out that the critical stage of this age range, it it offers something to us as parents and guardians. And I always say one of the greatest signs of trust that God gave me, even though I love pastoring, I love being able to serve families as their pastor, it is one of the most beautiful things that I get to do in my life. But that's not the most important thing. That's not the greatest thing that God allows me to do. I feel like the greatest privilege and responsibility that God gave me is when he put three little lives into my care. And he told me to train them and lead them and love them, disciple them, discipline them, teach them, instruct them, invest in them, and provide for them. Children, I will say this. Tell me if I'm right here. Please interact online with me. Children are the greatest 
cure on the planet for selfishness. If you struggle with selfishness, the best thing to do is get married and have kids. It's the greatest cure to selfishness. Moses addressed this calling of parents, you and I and anybody else that your parent or guardian watching here tonight, to do all the things that I just referenced briefly on that list. After leading the children of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years, before turning the reins of leadership over to Joshua, he faced the people and he gave them some final instructions. He, and these things are recorded in Deuteronomy 6.4. Many people know this as the Shema. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligent. Notice, you cannot teach them diligently. Go back to the previous verse, please. Until you have his words down in your own heart. You can't invest something in your kids. I can't invest something in my kids that I don't have in my own heart. That's why, look at when it comes to secular things. Well, you love football. Guess what? Your, your children can grow up. They love football. You love baseball. Oh, you, you love musicals. Oh, they love music. Often, a lot of times, I'm not saying across the board, but a lot of times, what you have in your heart, it's, it's, it's invested into kids. So Moses starts by saying, hey, let me start with you. Hide these words in your heart. Next thing is teach them diligently to your kids. And do it when you talk to them, when they sit in the house, when you walk by the way, lie down, rise up, bind them for a sign upon thine hand as frontlets between thy eyes, thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of the house and on thy gates. I think it was pretty important that Moses was saying, hey, here is the Lord our God is one Lord, and you know what? Get it in your heart, know who God is, and then pass that down to your kids. He places a massive burden and responsibility on every single parent and guardian. And honestly, right now, parents, we're feeling this more than we probably have in the last several decades. Look, at Parents are in the house more than ever with their children right now. You are refereeing arguments. You're cooking and cleaning up probably more than ever before. You're homeschooling your children. You're teaching Sunday school to your children. You're trying to keep, come up with ideas for your kids so that 333 times a day they're not going, I'm bored, I'm bored. What can we do? What are we going to do now? What's the plan for tonight? I'm bored. Moses was adamant with God's people. And parents, you know, across the world, we're dealing with this tension right now. For many of them, all these things that you might be struggling with, this might be brand new to you. But Moses, he says, I'm adamant with this. Why? Why is he so adamant? Was he having flashes of the influence of his own mother, his mother named Jochebed? At a time where Egyptian pharaoh and years earlier, he was killing Hebrew male babies and, and 
and Jochebed. Moses had a mother who made a little ark of bulrushes and sent Moses down the Nile and, and sent his older sister Miriam to watch and look after. And, and where does that ark hit? It hits on the, the, the seashore of the, or the riverbed of the Nile River, the river side of the Nile River. And she comes down and, oh, Lord, now the kid's dead. I mean, like, it's a for sure thing, but scripture tells us she was moved with compassion when she heard the child cry, and she takes this child up and raises him as her own child, but, but not before she gets Miriam, his sister, to go find a Hebrew mother to raise this child in his formative years. And so what happens is Moses' mom gets paid to raise her own son for the first several years of his life. And she invested something in Moses, because even though Egypt was filled with sin and false gods, pagan practices, despicable things, Moses was able to thrive in that setting because as a young boy, his mama instilled some deep-rooted things in his heart and mind. That even years later, when he sees an Egyptian soldier uh, uh, beating a Hebrew slave, he kills the Egyptian soldier, leaves Egypt everything he knew because he, he, he refused. He, he said, that's one of my people. He knew who he was, and he knew who his God was. But not to the fullest extent yet until he has his own experience with God. But Moses, now he's... He's no doubt he's thinking back, Jochebed, what my mom did, the way I was raised. And he's, he's addressing Israel kind of toward the end of his life. And he's saying, hey, get this down in your heart and then pass it to your kids. Write it on the front of your eyes, the post, talk about it in the morning, at night. Do whatever you have to do to get your kids to understand who God is. But when you read this list, he wanted the younger generation to have a complete understanding of who God was and, and who they were in God. Who is God? Let me tell you. Now let me tell you who you are in God. Our kids have got to understand who God is and who they can be in God. He also wanted them to never forget that. In Deuteronomy 6.10, it says, It shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land. They weren't in the promised land yet. He says, but when you get there, the land that was sworn to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things, which thou fillest not, and wells dig, which thou diggest not, because God did those things. He says, in vineyards and olive trees, you didn't plant, and you're going to be eat, you're going to eat and be full. He says, then beware of the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt uh, in, from the house of bondage. He's, he's saying, don't forget. Don't forget where you've come from. Don't forget these things. Invest them in your children. Moses wanted the new generation to hold on to the exact same truths that they had in that generation. They would need to stand strong in a strange land because they were getting ready to go into all kinds of lands of the Hivites, Girgashites, Jebusites, Perizzites. Yeah, they were going to go into all these places, and there would be so many pagan influences. Israel did not always do well in the tests that they faced. And so that's why Moses, he starts saying, hey, you... <laughs> Make sure that you understand this. Make sure that your kids understand this. Pass it down to them. Make it real to them. Make sure they understand it. Why? Because you're going into a land of promise, the land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. But when you go through there, there's going to be tests and trials and battles. And you've got to know who they need to know who I am. And so 
with that, all those in, outside influences, temptations to give into the things of the world around them. But look what Moses goes on to say just a little later in that same chapter. It says, in the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of this? Come on, parents. <laughs> Have your kids ever asked, what's this? Why does it do that? What's up with that? When are we going to, what, who, what, when, where, why, how? Sometimes I feel like I, I, I could just go a whole day answering those questions. Who, what, when, where, why, how, who, what, when, where, why, how, who, what, when, where, why, how, who, what, when, where, why. Why? Because kids are inquisitive and they want to know the way that the world works and why the world works that way. I'm sure your kids are not like mine. They probably never ask why. But why? Because I said so. Every parent, I, I, is there a parent that's watching right now that has never used that phrase because I said so? I mean, I try to explain things to my kids. I try to, I try to say, well, let me tell you, let me teach you, let me, I want to train. I don't want to just lead with an iron fist. But I'll be honest, every once in a while, I will pull out the, because I, I said so, because I'm your dad. Teach authority, too. But he says, when, they, when your kids ask, what's the meaning of the laws, degrees, root, regulations? See, because not every time, get this, this is huge. Not every time, it's just like adults. Not every time a children asks why, do we have to take that personally as, as a, an attack on power. Just like a good, a good boss in the workplace. You could say, well, why, do, why, why does the process, why does the system run like that? Any good boss is not going to be threatened by that, but they're going to look at that person and say, that person's thinking not just about the task to be done, but the reason behind the task. And to me, that's management capability. And so I want to, I want to encourage my kids that if with the right attitude and spirit, they say, Dad, why? Why? Did? Now, if I say, I said, go do it. And they go, why? Now, that, see, there's, there's an attitude. I don't need the discerning of spirits to know when my kids have a human spirit that needs my help. That's just being in tune with my kids as you are with yours. But you think about it, and they're watching right now. Hi, guys. I love you. You are the best three kids on the face of the earth. I love you so much. They get, they get talked about occasionally in, in messages, so got to let them know I love them. But the Lord did miraculous things, and in, 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 in so when our kids ask why, when our kids ask why, we can, we can stop. And, and even now, the kids are going to say, well, why the laws? Why did God do it that way? Why did God? He says, then you must tell them. We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but God brought us out with a strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrible, terrifying blows to Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give us the land sworn to our ancestors. And the Lord commanded us to obey these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us. Why? Because God's blessings are very, very much predicated on our obedience. And so he starts to land out. Don't be afraid to answer the why question for our kids. Sometimes we do a great job as, per, as parents, even in religion, telling people the what. The what. What do I need to be saved? Do to be saved? Well, you just repent. You get baptized. That, you get, get the Holy Ghost. Just, that's the what. That's the what. But what about the why? Well, the what is you just need to holy, live, live a holy life, consecrated, separated, sanctified unto God. Well, why? Well, you shouldn't ask why. You just need to trust God. No, no, no. God's never been afraid of the why question. 
God has never been afraid. Why are we afraid of the why question? And we shouldn't be afraid of the why question from our kids. How do we expect your kids? Because I said so. Because it said. Because the Bible says. Because that's what pastor said. You just need to do it. I'm afraid kids like that don't last long. I want our kids to be able to say, yeah, but but why did did we do that? And then we as parents, notice it says, when your kids ask, it does not say send them to Sunday school. It says, when your kids ask, well, let's go talk to the pastor. Well, go ask your Sunday school teacher. No, no, when your kids ask you, you have to be ready with an answer. And so he says, get ready and say, hey, point to God. Notice everything points to God. God did this and God did that. And if we obey God, he's going to keep on blessing us. He gave us this land and, 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 and so we just need to keep on doing it because we obey and we live this way. God's going to keep doing it and we can trust God. And so Moses spends a ton of time discussing the elder's role in impacting the next generation. Why would he do that? Why would Moses, uh, toward the end of his life, spend so much time talking to elders about their role in the, the voice of the next generation or the life of the next generation? Because he knew, hear me, that in order to inhabit and then possess their place of promise, the next generation needed to be on board. And they needed to resist two things and embrace two things. They needed to resist outside influences because they were going to be surrounded by them. And temptations to give in to the things of this world. That is why outside influences, he was wanting them to know you're going to go into a place of promise, but there are going to be influences everywhere. And temptations to give in to their practices. Resist it. But don't just resist, embrace. Embrace who God was and embrace who they were in God. So what are you currently doing for young lives? Maybe you're still watching, say, I don't have kids. What are you doing for young lives that will give them the message of resisting and embracing? Resisting and embracing. One of the most beautiful things about this moment, this moment that we are living in right now. Yes, I want, I choose to be an optimist. Yes, I choose to view hope. Do I feel hope, hopeful every moment of every day? No, there's moments of hopelessness. There's moments of, oh God, where are we? Oh God. No, but I say, I cast those imaginations down as scripture talks about, and I take my hope in Christ. I say, God, I'm choosing hope. I'm choosing to see light. I'm choosing to see opportunity. As the church, we're not sitting here going, oh, we lost this, we lost this. We're saying, what can we gain in this moment? And one of the most beautiful things about living in this moment, yes, right here, right now, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of social, social isolation, in the middle of, of, of staying at home orders, you and I have been given a season to influence our children right now, right now, in a way unlike any other time we've ever had in the last several decades. This very moment is probably your greatest opportunity to influence your kids. Don't despise these moments. I recently saw a Facebook post, and I don't know how large this text will show up on your screen, so I'm going to read it. In 2030, it's hypothetically speaking, it says a college kid goes into a history class and says, 
and they come home to their parents and say, hey, in history class, we learned about COVID-19 and the pandemic 10 years ago in 2020. Was it, was it really that bad, you know, speaking to mom and dad? What was it like? Parent says, well, everything was shut down in an attempt to kill the virus, but not everyone followed the quarantine for 15 days. So it lasted a lot longer than anyone expected. Many people died who shouldn't have died, and grocery stores were out of everything, and uh, it's not on there, but then they'll probably talk about toilet paper and that craziness, and, but people, because they were hoarding as much as they could, and we were scared of economic failure, our country, and their stimulus packages, and we couldn't work. Don't you remember it? I mean, you were eight years old, to which the college kid says, all I remember was school closing, and I was being homeschooled, and I remember doing scavenger hunts in our yard. I remember eating meals as a family for a change. I remember getting great sleep because I wasn't up late for homework or getting up early for school. I remember board games as a family. I remember watching our pastor on our laptop or screen. Honestly, it was some of the happiest days of my entire childhood. Don't lose don't lose perspective. Don't lose perspective. That life or those lives that you've been given, you got to look at them right now. If they're in your room next to you, just look at those children. Chances are they're looking back at you. Maybe they're not even sitting down and you've been trying to get them to sit for the last 10, 15 minutes. But God gave you those children. And that's the greatest gift the greatest sense of responsibility and privilege that he could ever give. You and I only have a short amount of time left in the formative years of our children and even our grandchildren, nieces, nephews. You can despise even this season. I just wish it would end. I wish things would get back to normal. I wish we'd get back to safe. Or you can view the gifts that you have in times like these to intentionally invest in your children or grandchildren. Why would we leave spiritual training and safekeeping of our children's souls entirely to the pastor or even Sunday school teachers? Listen, we have, I'll put our children's ministry staff against anybody. It's not a competition, but they're awesome. Our children and student ministry staff are absolutely phenomenal. If you're watching and you love and you attend Refuge, come on, give a shout out online to our children and student ministries team. Teams, we have great, great staff. But why, why would you trust only what they're giving your children instead of what you could be giving, giving them? Here's a question that will make you think. Everybody tuning in, you listening? Here's a question that will make you think. If your child only knew If your child only knew what you taught him or her about the Bible, would it be enough to get them to heaven and help them live an overcoming life here on this earth? If your kids only knew what you taught them, would that be enough to get them to heaven and to teach them to live an overcoming life? Right here on this earth. In an age where we value physical safety in our homes, 
it's ironic that we would just hand our kids to Sunday school teachers and say, I just hope you get them to heaven. Or hand them over to an electronic device and hope that they're watching decent things because, can I say this, because we're just too lazy to read with them, play a board game, pray with them, or discuss life principles. I'm not bashing parents. I can talk a good talk behind this pulpit, looking down the live stream cameras and talking to you and make it sound like I'm just an amazing parent. But you know what? Some days, I've said this before, some days I go to bed and I'm like, man, I'm a good dad. (laughs) Other nights I go to bed and I go, I just pray to God my kids turn around. I'm, I'm pretty transparent. If you're new here and you're just kind of tuning in, I'm a very transparent person. You can pretty much ask me about anything, I'll tell you. And so I'll tell you that last night was one of those nights. I kind of snapped on my middle child, my son, about something right before bed. And he was crying, and, and he, he looked at me and said, Dad, I just feel like, why are you being angry at me? I didn't scream or anything like that, but I just kind of snapped at him. Man, I'll tell you, I felt horrible as a dad. And I'm like, I'm going to be talking to parents tomorrow night, and I feel like, my goodness, I'm terrible at this. (laughs) So there's some days I feel really good, and other days that I could really use improvement. But the, the key is for you and for me, for all of us, is A, I'm thankful for God's grace. B, I just, I want to keep trying. Don't ever just get so consumed with your own thing and just don't don't accept that. You know, I went to all three of my kids and I said, I am so sorry that I was short tonight because the other two saw it too. And I, man, I think our kids can learn a lot about God even in our mistakes because we can teach about repentance. We can teach about humility. We can teach about forgiveness. If you mess up, don't just say kids are resilient and they'll get over it. What a great lesson. We preach a better sermon with our life than with our lips. And so, man, I I just share that story. It's not anything I was planning on sharing, but it just happened last night. And I want you to know that I sit here and talk about this, but I'm on this journey too. Parenting is not for the faint of heart. Man, this 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 is the most difficult thing that I've ever done in my life. But it's also the most rewarding. It's not difficult because I have bad kids. I have amazing kids. But it's difficult because I want so bad to be a great dad, a godly dad, a dad that my kids, that I can look at my kids, just like Paul says in discipleship. We think discipleship is like this other thing for people out there. No, it's like, what about our kids? That my kids can look and I can look at them and I can say, hey, guys, follow me as I follow Christ. And know that if they do that, They'll be safe. That's my goal. And so I feel the weight of that burden, that responsibility, but I also know that God entrusted me with it, and he entrusted you with it. And so I don't want to take it lightly. I don't want to lock the front door and unlock the door to my kids to just run free in cyberspace or wherever they want. There's a reason why here at Refuge Church, 
we have in this time of social distancing and isolation, we've, we've intentionally tried to give you tools to equip you. Saturday mornings, we send out a link inviting parents to watch online Sunday school through the Pentecostal publishing house of our organization, the United Pentecostal Church International. On Thursdays, we have been posting on our Facebook page a link to an online devotional with Pastor L.J. Harry in the UPCI. Tonight, we have sent you emails that give you links to monthly curriculum that you can print off and go through memory verses and discussion and go over a brief lesson and even pray with your children when you're done. Don't just go through all this and say, I can't wait to get my kids back to school. I can't wait to get my kids back to daycare. I can't wait to get my kids back to Sunday school and get them learning. No, we're doing our best to equip you to do what the Bible mandated you to do. So the first thing is, Moses says, hide it in your heart. And then do whatever you have to do, dad and mom, grandma, grandpa, uncle, aunt, cousin, every, whatever you have, have to do to make sure that your kids get it. You know, well, you, well, I don't know the curriculum. I don't even know the Bible very well. I don't, listen, you don't have to. We're putting the tools. Just read through it. Go through with them. I once read something doesn't have to be done perfect to be of value. A less than perfect effort is better than no effort at all. So what if God is giving you this time as a beautiful gift to do some of the things that Moses challenged the people in the Old Testament to do? I don't, I don't want to be intentional about all my pursuits and haphazard about those of my children. Our youth staff and children's ministry teams, they're valuable, they're needed, but they are meant to complement what you do. They're not meant to be the primary source. Can you, I mean, people, that's where we've lost it a little bit. Our staff, church staffs and teams, they are not they were never biblically, they were never, the church was never meant to be the primary source of teaching, training, and instruction, especially for children. You were called to do that. I was called to do that. The church and our teams are meant to complement, reinforce the things that Moses told us to do as parents. Moses was so adamant about this. He saw the influence of his parent growing up in his own life. He knew the future of the nation of God, the fulfillment of the promises of God, depended on the message and conviction that was being passed from one generation to the next. And with just a few generations, what happens? You got people like Samson that comes along and says, hey, there's a pagan girl. She's pretty go-getter for me, Dad. I don't care. I want her. You have people who are offering children as sacrifices to God. They got so screwed up. They, they drifted so far. What happened was somewhere along the line, they obtained their promise, 
but stopped investing in challenging and training and disciplining and discipling the next generation. Even Eli, the priest of Israel, the man of God, had kids that, that were sleeping with people at the temple, eating the sacrifices offered to God. Somewhere along the line, why did the nation get so messed up? Because the home stopped doing what God called the home to do. And so, as we get ready to go into a season, I preached a few weeks ago, where God's getting ready to do some great things in these last days. We're going to come out of this pandemic, and the church is going to be stronger than ever before. But the key to sustaining that, it falls on the shoulders of parents and guardians and grandparents and uncles and aunts, people who have the power to invest in children so that the next generation embraces this with a Moses did not just talk about preaching discipline and holding a hard line. No, 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 no. It was one of teaching, communicating, discussing with our kids, spending time with them throughout their day. Notice when they wake up, when they rise up, when you walk by the way. That's, that, Moses is painting a picture of a parent that was incredibly engaged in the life of their children. So if all you're saying is, I wish I could just go back to my life and get away from this. These kids are driving me crazy. Oh, this is so hard. You need to pray and say, what in the world has happened in my life that I can't wait to get back to my own personal pursuits? And yes, that even, yes, that even includes career. I'm not saying oh, women and women shouldn't work outside the home. And you should, no, but, but if our career gets to the point where the career becomes the number one thing, we can't get, wait to get back to our career and our kids are becoming a hassle. My Lord God Almighty, help the church, please. Because right now, we have an opportunity to look and say, wow, this is hard. This is challenging. This is difficult. I feel like a, a, out of my element. And, but you know what? This could be God giving you the greatest opportunity of your life to invest, disciple, discipline, train, love, spend time with the picture Moses paints is of engaged parents, parents that are investing, loving, paying attention, nurturing, aware of their children. And so I pray that tonight you feel encouraged. I pray that you feel challenged. And I pray that maybe even a couple parents have some tears in their eyes. That this is not just going to be a, oh, Lord, bless the church, bless us, help us have a good night. In Jesus' name, bless bedtime. But that right now in just about two minutes, that you will gather your children around if they're there by you. If you don't have kids by you and your grandparent, aunt, uncle, that you can begin to think about the children who you love. And I know I, I have, my kids have aunts and uncles and, and grandparents, nanas, papas, that, that they love those kids and they would die for my children. And so I just, right now, I'm just wondering if maybe you could begin to pray over them in just a moment. But Moses, he wanted them to be ready. For their promised land. And he was he will have a promised land called heaven for us too. But you look back at what Jesus even says in the New Testament. He says in Matthew 24, 42. So you too must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord's coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming. He'd keep watch. Wouldn't permit his house to be broken into. So you must also be ready for the son of man. He's, he's going to come when you least expect it. You don't want to just talk about making home a safe place. Don't just focus on 
locking the doors, installing the alarm system, wiping down groceries to avoid a virus. But get your kids ready for the promise. I want to close this out, and I want to get home to my own three kids. But why don't we all commit more than ever before to teach, engage, communicate, discuss, teach them the why and not just the what, who God is and who they are in God. Can you just, if they're there by you, just get them around you right now. Make sure that they know that they are the most important people in your life. They're the most important things in your entire life that nothing else is nearly as important. But you can say that, and if your actions speak something different, they're smart enough to read through it. So maybe there's some changes that need to be made to get back to where we can say, I'm going to teach my kids when they wake up in the morning, walk by the way, lay down at night. I'm going to be more intentional than ever before, more aware than ever before. Jesus, I pray right now, God, as these parents begin to gather their children, as grandparents begin to intercede for their grandchildren, and uncles and aunts begin to intercede for their nieces and nephews, God, that you would help every parent and guardian to feel encouraged that your grace is there and you've called us and you're empowering us to be what you've called us to be. But God, that nothing else, no career, no project, no financial snaps, and nothing would come in the way of what you have called us to do because if the home deteriorates, deteriorates, Lord, then I know, God, that your people will never be all that they can be because that is predicated on the next generation receiving from the previous generation. Please help me as a dad. Help my wife as a mom. I don't want to just pray over my wife as a music minister or me as a pastor. Those are great things we get to do, but God, help us as parents and help every parent watching know that each role that we have, the most important one of all, is mom and dad to our children. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that as parents have their arms around their children, that priests of homes would begin to lay hands on their children's heads. And Lord God, speak things spiritually into their lives that they would, Lord God, say something that their kids would know who they are and who you are, Jesus. Let, it, let, let your power and presence begin to operate in family circles right now as they watch and listen to this message. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now in Jesus' name.